All right, thanks for joining us on this Friday, this good Friday, a couple of days before Easter. DJ and PK, DJ is off, so you got PK flying the machine with Yak uh, doing the uh, legwork there in the studio. And joining us now is the television play-by-play announcer for the Chicago Bulls, Adam Amin. Adam, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you again, bud. Absolutely here. So my first question for you as far as the Bulls go, going big picture, uh, it seems like, except you know, maybe for the Derrick Rose time, that this franchise has been in a rebuild for a good long while now. Uh, and Jazz fans know full well when the last time they weren't, uh, when they were on top, obviously beating the Jazz here. But my thought for you is hiring Billy Donovan looks like they've got the stability that they need to see this thing through to the conclusion that they want, and that would be being competitive and vying for the Eastern Conference for the opportunity to win that thing. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Uh, based on early returns, and and again, I, I know the record isn't overly impressive, and I'm, I'm not asking anybody to, to look at just the record, especially in, in year one. But I, I think having a professional face and professional voice at the helm of this I would say is probably the most important stage. Uh, if, if, if the Bulls get to a point where they, they, you know, like you just described, where they're back at a point of competitiveness, contention, you know, to, to make a deep run in the playoffs, I think the hiring of Billy will probably be one of the first, maybe not the first, but one of the first moves that is looked at as, as a major, you know, stepping, stepping stone for it or a real launch point for where this organization wants to go. And it was the type of move that needed to happen. Like I said, it's a professional voice and professional face that is the right demeanor to steer and navigate through some of the pitfalls that a team in, in the current iteration that the Bulls are in will deal with. You know, whether it's growing pains of young players, whether it's, you know, for this particular team trying to figure out lineup combinations on the fly during the midst of a really tough stretch. I think this is the right guy, the, the right type of, of demeanor that you need, uh, especially compared to where the, the previous regime was, you know, and the, the front office and the coaching staff uh, with the overhaul that they went through over the last 12 months were, uh, were probably necessary steps in order to get this team in the, in the right direction as to where it needs to go. Yeah, because that's what I think about, you know, obviously we follow the jazz and, DJ and I have been doing this radio show for 19 years, and we've been through some highs and a little bit of lows. But even during the lows, as they were rebuilding, you know, they had a plan, and they carried out the plan. And the one thing that always bugs me as a follower of professional sports is that you have a plan to rebuild, and then the plan changes, and you rebuild the rebuild without ever rebuilding, if that makes sense. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. So with the Jazz, you know, they stuck with it with Kevin O'Connor transferring, transferring to Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder. And they went through the hard times, but they stuck with it. And I think as a fan base, you can appreciate that. And I don't see... I hadn't seen the Bulls, you know, all these changes, and it's just like you just keep running in place or running backwards. And so I thought it was a coup to get Donovan here, who knows what he's doing. And so let's have a plan and stay with that plan, because if the plan is sound, you can get to where you want to go. 
I think so too, man. And and I would say that you know, having watched the Jazz over the course of the last probably five years, where they've been back to a certain level of competitiveness. You know, they they've been competitive in playoff series. Uh, they won a series, you know, against uh, LA a few years ago. And I look at this Jazz team now, having somebody like Quinn Snyder, who is so connected with Dennis Lindsay, right? Obviously going back to their San Antonio days and, and in that system where, where Quinn basically started his NBA career in San Antonio and has crossed paths with all these guys, I think they have a certain level of loyalty and they have a certain level of understanding of what one, one another is capable of. And while those connections aren't as deep for Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, and then Billy Donovan, their individual connections to one another don't run as deep as, let's say, a Quinn and a, and a Dennis, I think there's a level of respect and understanding there that we're trusting you to do the job that you know how to do at a very high level, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to put my team in the best position talent-wise for me to succeed as a coach or for them to succeed as players. And so far, again, record notwithstanding, because it's, you know, these trades were made in front of one of the toughest stretches of the schedule all year, and now you're dealing with another injury to Zach Levine with his ankle. You know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. You know, you're going to lose games. They lost competitively to Golden State. They lost competitively to Phoenix. You know, if I had to put, if I were a betting man, I would imagine a lot of folks are probably thinking Utah is going to win the game tonight, being at home. They're playing, obviously, great basketball, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to go through some growing pains in, in, in a stretch like this, but I think the trust level is there, and that's so important between front office, coaching staff, to have that established so that you can make moves with the trust of your head coach, with the you know the comfort of your head coach. You can make front office uh machinations and know that it's for the betterment of the team and you'll adjust accordingly. And I think that's the type of relationship that's being, being built between front office and coaching staff in Chicago right now. Adam Amin, the television broadcaster for the Chicago Bulls, joining us. You talk about Levine. You know, I saw him in college, obviously played for UCLA, uh, and I think uh, he came out early. I don't remember if it was one year or two years. Uh, but you could see even then – uh, and I'm a Pac-12 guy, graduate of ASU, so I've been following this conference my whole life. Uh, you could see his potential, man, it just like a, all sorts of athletic ability. And now we're seeing it manifest in the pros, really, really blossoming. Uh, you talk about that ankle. What's the short-term status? And as far as long-term, you see him being as a big-time foundation piece of the, of the Bulls? Yeah, short term, I'm not sure what, what what to expect tonight. It doesn't look great. You know, he's listed as questionable for the time being, and, and obviously they'll they'll go through shoot around and things like that probably in a little bit here, and uh, and they'll know a little bit more. But we saw him miss a game for the first time this year the other night against Phoenix, and a lot of players stepped up. You know, to their credit, and Vucevic obviously is an all star that pairs with him well. I think the move to get Vucevic at least indicates to me that this front office is willing to build around Levine. Now, does that mean that Levine is going to be line item A going forward the rest of however long he's here? I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think if you go out and you're lucky enough to get another superstar of, you know, of an all-star caliber, uh, of, a, of an all-NBA caliber, then yeah, I think Zach Levine takes a, a you know, takes uh, a spot in the passenger seat or in the back seat, and that's fine. I think he's more focused 
on the winning aspect of it, something he has not done in the NBA between Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, I think he's won over a lot of people. You know, I don't know if this front office, this new front office, was completely sold on Levine when they first came in and began to evaluate. And I think he's done a lot of things this year through showing his work ethic, through leadership, through obviously his play that has proven to this front office that he is somebody worth building around. Whether he's, whether he's the centerpiece or not, having him as a, as a core member of a group going forward, I think, is a viable option because he is, he's earned it. You know, I, I agree with you. He's a one-and-done, by the way, at UCLA, and, and we all saw that with how much he got him, how fast he was, how quick his first step was. Obviously, the dunk, dunk contest champion and, and the ability to get above the rim and all that is there, but he's improved as a shooter. He's improved as a passer. He's an elite scorer when he's healthy, uh, like truly an elite shot maker in this league. He's not Lillard, you know, he's not the, the, the tops of the tops, but he's up there. You know, I think he's in the conversation at the very least in terms of shot making ability. So I think he's proven that he is a, he's a worthy piece to build around as a fundamental core piece to try to build around to, to try to work towards another, you know, a, a deep playoff run, I think is probably the best way to phrase it right now. So I have a wooden award vote, so I really call, try to follow college basketball as much as I can, and I want to stay in the conference, the conference of champion, champions, as Bill Walton would say. <laughs> and you got marketing, obviously. He was a one-and-donner here at Arizona. The Utes thought he was going to come because of the Honolulu connection, but anyway, he goes to Arizona. And I was impressed with him uh, in Arizona. He's just a young pup back then, and I can see why he was a high pick. I think he was like the sixth or seventh pick of the draft. Uh, you know, we really focus in on the Jazz on our show, obviously, and I watched that game when they played the Jazz, uh, I think it was almost two weeks ago or so, and he didn't have a good game. I don't want to go crazy because it's one singular game. But I- I'm wondering, and he's only 23 years old. I think he turns 24 next month, so he's still got some time. But you talk about a foundation piece, and I sort of thought that he would be one for the Bulls and that they can maybe not the piece, but a central figure in the team winning. Uh, I have my doubts a little bit, but it's from a distance, and I'm just looking at box scores. There seems to be a level of inconsistency in and out of the lineup. Do you believe that he's a piece, a critical piece, of a team that can be a contender in the East, obviously with the Bulls? I think he can. I think there's there's enough evidence to me in in flashes that prove that he is a foundational – he can be a foundational piece – you know, his scoring and his efficiency this year is the best it's been in his four years in the NBA. He's, he's had career-high shooting numbers. Uh, we've seen flashes of him be much more aggressive this year, and I think Billy Donovan has kind of implored him to drive the ball. You're tall and you're strong. Play like it. You know, you can play out of the post if you want to, but we know his prowess as a shooter. We know he has ability to drive the basketball and play above the rim a little bit and to get a little bit nasty. But here's where the, the, the crux of the issue is. He's, he hasn't been healthy. Played 68 games as a rookie. Played 52 games the year after. He played 50 games last year out of a 65-game schedule, and he's been on the shelf twice this year. He's only played 26 games. So one of the concerns is, can he stay, 
can he stay healthy? And is are those inconsistencies in his production enough to steer a front office away from paying him what he demands? You know, the Bulls and Markkinen's camp were about $4 million annually apart on a long-term extension. So let's let's assume it's three to five years. So you're looking at, you know, 12 to $20 million off from what he thinks or they think he should be paid to what the front office believed he should be paid. So they didn't come to an agreement on an extension. Is Lowry marketing on the open market going to get an offer? Remember, he's a restricted free agent, so the Bulls have the ability to match any offer that comes in. So you may not get hurt, but if somebody comes in and is willing to pay him $16 million a year to go play in Sacramento or to play in Denver or to play in Atlanta, are you going to turn that money down if you're Lowry Markin? I don't think you are. You know, he's, he's a family guy. He's very, very, he cares very deeply about his family. He wants security, just like any player would want. He wants those same things. And is his level of inconsistency enough to scare other teams away or to scare the Bulls away from matching any offer sheet that might come in? So I think that's, that's where the questions lie right now. The talent is there, and you've seen it in flashes, but does it match what he's going to demand on the open market? And I think that's a bigger question. Well, I think he gets that that front price you're talking about on the open market because even though it hasn't been, and you used the word flash multiple times, I believe the talent's there. I think so. Uh, I, again, we, we've, we've, seen it. we've seen his efficiency numbers go up. We've seen, like, when he drives, he's one of those players that when he decides to drive, he's very difficult to stop. And I think the last month where we've seen some highlight reel dunks, we've seen aggressive drives more consistently, uh, I think those are necessary for him. And he's got a 25-some-odd game audition here. And I don't like referring to guys auditioning because I, I don't think that's fair to what their talent level is and, and how good they can be. It doesn't speak to their potential. But I think it's necessary to get on the same page with this group in terms of the front office, with this group in terms of the coaching staff. I think it is important for him. And if he realizes that, then he's going to make it very difficult for the Bulls to, to let him go. And he is going to secure himself a nice contract somewhere else, if not in Chicago if these next 25 games go the way that his potential can dictate. Chicago Bulls broadcaster Adam Amin joining us. Now, I understand you're still, you know, we knew you from ESPN and you've moved over. You're going to be doing baseball games for Fox. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, going into year two with uh, with the guys at Fox. So looking forward to that. And it's not going to be until the season is over. You're going to be doing them now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's – it, it, we got game our, our first games tomorrow. You know, it's yeah. uh, Rockies and Dodgers out of the gate. So, uh, you know, we're getting right back to it, and uh, excited to have opening day back yesterday. Absolutely, man. The Dodgers and Padres. Uh, who you got there? I still look at this pitching staff with the, with its depth and with its bullpen plan on paper. I think the Dodgers have a real shot again to to make a deep run. Uh, and obviously anything can happen in, in, in this playoff format, but I think they have a real opportunity to make a deep run. I, I thought the Padres made a lot of good moves 
in terms of their pitching staff, bringing in Darvish and, and kind of building the depth of their rotation, which they tried to do last year but dealt with a lot of injury issues uh, late in the season and in the playoffs. I think that hurt hurt them a little bit. But they've got offensive depth, got young stars across their lineup. They've got Machado locked up. They've got Tatis locked up. They've got a young guy in Cronenworth who's, you know, who had a great season last year as a rookie. Uh, I think there's enough there to make that make that interesting again. But I still feel like on paper, based on what the Dodgers brought in with, with Bauer, with what their bullpen and, and kind of piggyback plan could end up looking like, I still feel like on paper they've got a good opportunity. Although, again, who knows what happens if Bellinger's home run becomes a home run yesterday. Who knows what happens in that game? Credit to the Rockies, who uh, I've heard a lot of noise, I think, in the last uh, few months after dealing Arenado away. And, and I think uh, you know, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Well, the way I look at it, if Trevor Bauer is your third starter, you got a pretty good team. Yeah, that's decent. <laughs> you know, uh, you got you got Kershaw, who, who didn't have a, a great outing yesterday, which is rare for opening day. But I'm not worried about Kershaw. You got Kershaw, you got Bauer, you got Bueller, you got Price if you need him. You got Arias. Like that's a that's a very deep deep staff right now. Yeah. Well, have fun calling the game, and then also the baseball. We'll, we enjoy you coming on, like your work. And thank you for joining us on this morning. Always a pleasure, my man. Appreciate you. All right. That's Adam Amin, broadcasters, does the television for the Chicago Bulls, and that also does baseball. I look at the Bulls as sort of where the Jazz were a few years back when they undertook this rebuilding project. And you've got – that's a one thing I want to harp on. You've got to have a plan to know what you're doing and stick with it, man. And if you do it, I believe you can get the results, the results that the Jazz are now obviously getting because they stuck with the plan. They didn't rebuild the rebuild, and away they've gone. And now they got the best record in the league, expected to win tonight. Stay with us. We'll tell you what you missed. Coming up next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.